Life podcast. We truly hope you'll be inspired and challenged today. Now, let's dive into this message with the family at Pleasant Ridge. Keeping with that uh, theme about uh, beholding your king, you know, it's one thing that we worship Jesus and we recognize his birth, but if our worship stops there at uh, his birth, then we're totally missing the, the big picture of why Jesus came. And this was the beginning of God coming to this earth, stepping into his own creation, uh, being born of a virgin, but that was not where the story ends. And uh, I wanted to read a, a portion of scripture here uh, with you this morning. And answering that question of, do you behold Jesus as the king? And uh, we begin reading here, it's in, found in John chapter 18, in verse number 28. And this is right after Jesus has been in the garden praying. Uh, in fact, Judas, one of his own disciples, has now betrayed him. And the, rob, uh, the, uh, uh, the men come the, uh, to take Jesus and to arrest him and lead him away. And it says here in verse 28, it says, Then they led Jesus from the house of Caiaphas to the governor's headquarters. It was early morning. They themselves did not enter the governor's headquarters so that they would not be defiled, but could eat the Passover. So Pilate went outside to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? They answered him, If this man were not doing evil, we would not have delivered him over to you. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and judge him by your own law. The Jews said to him, It is not lawful for us to put anyone to death. This was to fulfill the word that Jesus had spoken, to show by what kind of death he was going to die. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, notice this, are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered, do you say this of your own accord or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priest have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness of the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, what is truth? After he said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him. But you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. 
So do you want me to release to you, notice again, the king of the Jews? They cried out again, not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. And you think about that, that these Jews would rather have a thief, rather have a robber, rather than Jesus. Someone who would uh, steal from them and somebody who would uh, destroy their lives, they would rather have him than to have Jesus who came to give life, Jesus who uh, came to bring peace. They would rather have Barabbas over Jesus. Chapter 19 says, Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him, scourged him. Uh, the Jewish historian Josephus, early Jewish, Jewish historian, uh, he wrote about Roman scourging, and he said oftentimes the victims of a Roman scourging would be laying over a pillar with their inner organs hanging out. Uh, as a result from the Roman scourging. And so Pilate took Jesus and flogged him, and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die because he has made himself the son of of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me. Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard those words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement, in Aramaic Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover, and it was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, notice again, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, We have no king but Caesar. And so he delivered him over to them to be crucified. And again, you have the Jews choosing a tyrant over Jesus. Choosing somebody that was going to make their lives miserable. In fact, that they despise, uh, they despise Pilate. They despise the Roman government. 
but yet they did not want Jesus. And this morning, I wanted to have a few individuals come and share with us about that moment in their life when they realized that Jesus, they, became, they came to behold Jesus as their king. Or as a believer in Christ, I believe that it's important for us that as we are living the Christian life, that there are times in our life that we continue to behold Jesus as king, whether certain situations that come into our life. And so I'm going to have Sean come. He's going to come first, and then uh, we have some others that are going to share with us about how Jesus has uh, brought a difference in their life and how they came to behold Jesus as king. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. So, yeah, so anybody who has actually heard my testimony before, this is going to be a little bit of a shortened version of it, just a little bit, because it is kind of long and is still ongoing, honestly. But I grew up in a family that everybody's heard before where we uh, went to church every week, and every, um, from the outside, it looked perfect and it looked great. And from anyone who actually saw us, we were that perfect family. Well, beneath that, it was all for show. I mean, at home, we lived a completely different life. Um, a lot of physical abuse, verbal abuse. There was adultery that ran rampant through my house and stuff as we were growing up. But through that, we were still perfect on the outside. We used to have to come to church, and we'd wait till almost everybody would sit down, and we'd come up and sit in the front or near the front so everybody could always see us and who we were. And I was the acolyte for the church, and my dad was the head usher or an elder or something like that. And it just never felt right. It just, everything we did, we... We could do, I could answer any questions. I could, we did the Bible trivia where you could think things and come up with the answers. And I always knew the answers for that. But through all of that, nothing ever felt right or felt good. And it wasn't until I was probably almost, I was in the summer between my seventh and eighth grade year that I was actually at a groundbreaking for the church that we were attending, which was a church plant. And we were doing the groundbreaking. And I remember that we had a, a, a group there. It was a, it was a youth-led choir called Soldiers of the Cross, and they were singing at this. And for the first time, I just felt that pull that something was wrong with me and that I needed to accept Jesus and accept him into my life. And that was the moment that I finally went up front and, and just laid my soul bare that things were just wrong and I needed to improve and just have Jesus come into my life so I could just be a better person and be a follower of Jesus forever. And from that moment on, as I started to grow, I could see how we went about things the wrong way in our house. And we've moved after that, and we're back in another church, and again, it just felt empty and hollow. And eventually, um, I made the decision in my freshman year of high school that I left my family and, my, and their church to go to a different church across the street where that it felt more real and it felt I, I, everybody loved God there and it was just, it was wonderful. So I started going there regularly and not going with my family anymore um, with what that was and that was obviously a difficult thing that went on in our house making that decision. But through that, I met a couple of people who actually became more of a mentor for me to follow and went through that and enjoyed getting to know them for three to four years. 
at the end of my senior year, it came to find out the gentleman that I was our youth leader, who was also the guy that I tried to model myself after in, in my walk with Christ, he, he was found uh, to be having extramarital affairs in the church itself, and that just rocked my world completely to the point where I just was like, if this is what it's meant to be a man of God, I don't want any part of this. And I walked away. I just completely left, went to college, didn't have anything to do with God, church, or anything throughout those years. But even despite that, um, God was still using things in my life to try to uh, orchestrate what I would become later on. And I was in some of the groups like a fraternity or sports and things like that. So I was around some of the more uh, lost people that you can possibly imagine throughout my entire uh, career in college. But I kept my own internal morals through all this stuff. So I was, I'm thankful to God just he instilled that so deep in me that that was still who I was throughout uh, uh, through college. And it was like, I may have turned my back on God, but he had never turned his back on me throughout this entire thing. So got into medical school, and I actually had a friend who came to me, and she was just like, I need a ride to church. Would you like to come with me someday? And I don't know what it was at that time, but it was just the right time. And I was like, yeah, I'll go. And so I started going back to church, and it just was... Uh, it was just a revelation. And over the next couple of months, I just poured my soul out and started reading the Bible again, which I hadn't read in years, and completely turned my life back over to Christ at that point in time. And that is something that I'm so thankful to this day for being able to be pulled back in um, from where I was. And that went on to, I went on into the military, and I went into a few other places and things like that, and I have really been around some of the most lost people um, in my life, in, in, around, because I used to be a heavy video game player, the military special forces, uh, just things online, online personalities, and I'm never going to be the guy that will stand up and preach or something like that to a crowd of people. But I'm around these people that I can get to know and I get to talk to them. And I'm never, and what you got to realize is you never get, you can never be afraid to share who you are or your faith. I'm around these people all the times to this day still. And I won't just come right out and say things to try to, to tell people uh, who I am or what I believe. I try to live my life so they can see his light shining through me. So I, they always, it'll take a couple months, and it's funny because I'll be around another group of people, and then eventually you'll get this question, like, what is different about you? There's just something different. And that is the greatest question that I ever get asked because it opens a door that you can talk to people and be brave and non-apologetic for who you are or what you believe. And that is something that I just it just gives me goosebumps to this day when somebody asks me that question. And I continue to try to be part of different groups like that so I can try to lead people to Christ, to try to uh, just show them the truth and show them the gospel. And there's been countless people that I've talked to that have been in video game things or in the military or something like that that have come to Christ because of what God has let me go through in my past and what I've been able to be, go through, that I can talk to people on a different level that someone might not be able to that hasn't experienced those kind of things in their life. So that's just something that I, if I could say anything, it's like be true to your faith, 
be, be bold, be able to talk to anybody when they ask you that question of what's different about you, that you can share your faith and share your love for Christ. I'm going to have uh, Maria come, and um, she's got an interesting story how just God's worked in her life, and we're just so thankful that uh, she gets to be part of the family here. I am very thankful to be part of this family, too. Um, it's been three years now since I've been coming here, but probably most of you all, like, you have a date that you know that you, like accepted Jesus into your heart and made him Lord of your life, but I can't really remember a date. It just was kind of a process. Um, yeah, I never, like, yeah, I don't have a date that I remember him being Lord of my life, and, but over the years and every day since I've accepted Jesus, I have realized that he is the Lord of my life. He is the king of my life. He's the one that's perfecting my faith. And the more and more I grow in Christ, the more and more I realize his authority and leadership over me. And every day that I say I deny myself and I pick up my cross and I follow him, the more freedom I feel. Um, growing up in a... I wrote down religious, but I grew up in an Amish home and church and the, I had a lot of mindsets that I'm still working through, and praise the Lord that I've broken through a lot of them. But one of the ones is that I knew that I needed to obey God and not sin, or that I would go to hell. And I know that I, that I did not want to go there because I heard how terrifying and gross it was. That's all that I ever heard about in church. And I knew that I wanted to go to heaven, because I've heard of how beautiful it is. But I never heard anything of how to get there or what to do. And there was always this fear that I would die before I would be able to ask Jesus to forgive all the sins that I've committed. But God showed me the truth about what I was, where I was heading if I kept on living in the way that I was. And I realized that he is the Lord and Savior. He was my Lord and Savior, and in him I have hope that will not put me to shame. And I can have the assurance of salvation. I don't have to just hope that one day my good works will get me into heaven. And he showed me how to receive salvation by faith alone in Jesus Christ and to have a relationship with him to where he cares for me, that he cares about the details. He's not just some person up in the sky that doesn't care about my life. And he guides and leads me in all things for his glory. Have uh, Jonas and Diana come. We need our son, I guess. 
didn't see that coming. So I guess all of you know that we've been here a year, a little over a year. So that's been a year that, I mean, if you guys knew us before, we were completely different people. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm supporting. This is my role. Well, hi, everybody. Uh, if you don't know me, my name's Jonas. Um, we've been going here for a year and talking to Mike and living, you know, um, I'll give you a step out uh, when I was younger. I went to church, Baptist, then we went to a, a missionary church, and then my dad grew up Amish. My mom was nothing of the sort of a Christian um, we, we both uh, grew up in a different neighborhood, if you'd say. Um, but uh, my life was different until I met some friends of mine um, and started going to church with them. My parents got a divorce. And then later on, when I graduated high school, I kind of left and said, I'm not going to church anymore. And something changed in my, in my head and... Um, everything like that. Uh, then I met Diana. <laughs> uh, we got married. Um, and Diana came up to me about going to church because I uh, talked. Well, we moved up here from Indianapolis, and we, Diana started going to the old church I went to in high school with a friend of mine. She kept on asking. I told her no all the time. She was a happy camper. And then I met Mike, who was a real person. <laughs> On that webpage. No, I'm not going to try it. Uh, but one day she says, I, I found a different church. I want to go. And she's, at that time, we were living with my father. Um, and something just said, oh, Jonas, you got to go. So I said yes to Diana. And I said, we're going to church. Yes, that's fine. Um, I think that was the day that really hit me in the heart, and um, I called some old friends and talked to them and explained to them what I was going through at the time. Um, Dinah couldn't find me for like, an, <laughs> was it like five hours? Yeah. <laughs> so I really think that was the time that uh, God gave me grace, because I've always known who, who Jesus Christ was. But my problem was is I didn't know his grace. And through that, because he started going, then I started realizing that I actually didn't know what it was to truly follow God and to truly know grace because we used to be at each other's throats all the time. And then when we started to accept Christ as king, and then I figured out what sanctification meant, um, that really helped out a lot. So you, you just have to keep going and pray that they know what they're doing. Because that's really all, it's really all it is. I found that out the hard way, which is probably why we butted heads so much. But now that I know my role, which is not a bad role, it's a good one. I don't have as much responsibility, and I'm okay with that. Thank you. Thanks.
going to have Reba come, and uh, Reba's got a wonderful story of just God's working in her life and God's grace through all that. I'm going to go over here. No, I'm not going to read y'all a book. <laughs> not going to carry on. Um, the first time I came to church was on my birthday, July the 1st, 2006. Angie asked me what I wanted for my birthday, and I said I wanted to go to church. And uh, it was down there at Bob Evans, behind Bob Evans. And I knew when I left that day that that's where I wanted to be, where I needed to be. It was like finally finding the right key to sing in. You know, oh, okay, I got it. (laughs) So smooth. Uh, But before I came to church, my life was a total mess. It was drinking, smoking, carrying on. You name it, I was doing it. And uh, if you think things were really bad with my life, it's going to be hard for me. It got worse. On Christmas Day, 2004, My only child died at the age of 39, my son. And I really felt I had no life left. There was nothing left. It was over. But that decision to come to church changed everything. I got to know Jesus through his word and all y'all wonderful people that I met here at church. Thank you. His love for me came shining right through the dark. And the king can really shine. He has done many miracles in my life. Stopped the drinking, smoking, the carrying on. He gave me a new life. Happiness and joy. And I hope y'all can see that in me today. And he's still doing them. So many that it would take me a long time to tell all y'all everything that he has done for me. And still doing. And will do. He ain't quitting. He don't stop. Thank you, Jesus. So, on July 6, 2013, the Lord saved me. Took me right into his family. Let me know that in my father's house, this is my favorite song, there is a place for me. And to make my adoption into the king's family complete, I was baptized July 13, 2014. 
in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, the happiest day of my life. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and to be called a Christian is the greatest joy of my life. And now, I want to leave y'all with a prayer. Now, this is a prayer by John Henry Newman. He was an English theologian, scholar, poet, cardinal, priest. He lived way back in the 1800s. It was his prayer. Now it's mine. Dear Lord, help me to spread thy fragrance everywhere I go. Flood my soul with thy spirit and life. Penetrate and possess my whole being so utterly that all my life may only be a radiance of thine. Shine in me and through me so every soul I come in contact with may feel thy presence in my soul. Let them look and no longer see me but only thee, O Lord. Amen. We are so thankful that God works in people's lives. And, you know, there might be some of you that maybe you're here and um, Jesus is just a, is a historical... Uh, reality, you know, that uh, Jesus was born, he lived here, um, maybe he was a good man, did some things, but Jesus was God in the flesh, and Jesus accomplished what none of us could ever accomplish, and that was the fact that he took our sin debt on the cross for us, so that we could become new creatures in Christ Jesus, and you know, just a little bit what they shared. That's a transformation of transformation power that took place in their own lives. And I encourage you, if you don't know Jesus, if you've never had that time or place in your life where you were transformed by the gospel of Jesus dying for your sin and uh, taking your place on the cross so that you could be forgiven, I encourage you to call out to Jesus and to... Put your faith and trust in him and him alone. But we're so thankful for uh, our family that uh, has shared uh, this morning. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.